I'm Peter Moyo, the Senior Director of Citus AMC Insights, and this is In Conversation. Welcome to the podcast. I'm with Brian Velke today, who heads up the Real Estate Valuation Services team at Citus AMC, which among many things, works with our clients on valuing their portfolios. Brian and I are going to discuss the possibility of changing inflation dynamics and whether or how they could alter the valuation process for commercial real estate, as well as how our valuation team is viewing inflation moving forward. Welcome, Brian. Thank you, Peter. So, Brian, I guess to set the stage for our conversation today, it would be helpful for our, our audience to hear from you the importance of the inflation estimate in the cash flow models um, for valuations, um, some of the issues um, in terms of those estimates and how they have an impact on valuation. Yeah, thanks, Peter. Uh, I think that to provide the audience a baseline with respect to the cash flow and the valuation process, uh, you, you first have to understand the cash flow itself uh, and the, the impact that inflation has on that cash flow. So as a valuer, we are looking at uh, over a holding period, typically a 10-year holding period, and providing that general inflation expectation. And, and quite honestly, uh, general inflation has historically been pretty flat at 3%. Uh, and what you have to uh, keep in mind is that that's applied to both the revenues and expenses over a long-term holding period, but you can see spikes or dips uh, over periods of time, typically in the short term. There's also uh, the, where the influences that inflation is having within the rates of return, and, and we'll get into that uh, in a little bit, uh, is that the inflation expectations and how that's embedded in ultimately the required rate of return of an investor itself. So when I uh, mentioned over the, uh, the course of the last year and, and really over the course of much of my career, a general inflation estimate and valuations for long periods of time is a right around that 3%. That may seem counter to say the Fed's targeted rate of inflation of 2%, but you have to be very careful in terms of interpreting a, a general inflation rate for real estate and a targeted inflation rate from the Federal Reserve. That, that targeted rate is for a basket of goods and services for personal consumption. Uh, and it doesn't necessarily translate into what is going to, to move revenues and expenses for a commercial real estate property, which we're using and uh, projecting out over that 10-year holding period. And so our inflation estimates are really specific to those that are applicable to, to real estate, which is real estate taxes, insurance, maintenance costs. Uh, in particular, and then the revenue itself uh, being more demand-based. So that gives you a framework uh, for, for how we can have the conversation. That's super helpful. Um, it, it leads me to, to ask a, a follow-up question on it. Um, you mentioned that inflation, the inflation estimate, which has been running, as you say, you know, it's been using 3%, um, is used for both the expense and for the revenue side. There's different kinds of inflation, right? There's inflation that can come from the demand side, super strong demand and it's just sort of heating up the economy and it's driving all kinds of prices. And you could think of it from this perspective, from the real estate perspective of that could be part of uh, strong rent growth. Um, the flip side is there's another type of inflation called cost push inflation. Um, that's because there's supply bottlenecks, logistics issues, things like that, which can be the type of inflation that drives up the cost side. So have you ever run into the situation or is there any sort of thought about having separate or different kinds of inflation estimates on the cost side or the revenue side, depending on sort of what the outlook is for inflation in the economy? Absolutely. Looking back on my career, 
I never recall a, a more dynamic situation in projecting and questioning near-term adjustments, uh, both in rent and expense growth for the exact reasons of which you've pointed out. It's very dynamic by property type and by location. And something that we see being heavily influenced by supply and demand. And honestly, uh, COVID itself has uh, only perpetuated that though over the past year. So absolutely looking at the, the effects uh, both of cost push and, and demand pull. I would uh, also say that this is something that at the heart of what we're striving for as a leader in the valuation services uh, for financial reporting space, we are constantly uh, trying to stay on top of what is uh, the market doing in terms of rent growth, rent expectations, and expense growth and expense expectations uh, and the influences that those have. It may not always shine through in just a static general inflation expectation, but it is uh, always shining through with respect to the, the cash flows uh, that, that are being input and projected individually. Yeah, so in other words, your job is getting harder. It's just another part of the fallout from COVID. You know, you mentioned COVID and it's sort of put the economy onto a roller coaster, right? You know, the economy took a big blow from the pandemic and it's shifted all kinds of behavior, you know, how people are, are living and how people are spending. In response to that, you know, you've got the Fed coming out and saying, we're okay if there's a little bit of infl- a little bit more inflation than we're, we're normally used to and, and adjusting their targets. And we've got two uh, stimulus packages under our belt and a third one for $1.9 trillion potentially right in front of us. And at the same time with the vaccine out and, and more, more and more people hopefully continuing to get immunity, we can envision not too far in the future, hopefully, people sort of breaking out of their homes. There's just an article in the Wall Street Journal that you know mentioned the possibility of increased inflation as people you know, emerge from their cocoons um, from pandemic and start spending and going to restaurants and going on trips and the, and the like. You mentioned the inflation is measured by the CPI is the most you know basic uh, common measure of inflation, and it's based on a basket of what people spend. And of course, we're all spending differently as a result. So, how is how have you and the Revs team started altering or thinking about these changed inflation dynamics and and the and the CRE appraisal uh, process? Uh, first off, uh, you, you can count me in the camp of uh, wanting to get out of my cocoon. Uh, and go on a uh, vacation uh, with the family. What I would say is that it's a very challenging environment and dynamic. Uh, You have situations exactly what you laid out there with respect to the the monetary policy and the spending and the stimulus that's taking place, which naturally you you would expect uh, would drive inflation. Uh, And and yet at the same time, you step back and you look at uh, what the rates of return are. And, and if uh, there is an inflation expectations and a target of 2% or higher, then the real rate of return on a 10-year treasury rate is actually negative. Uh, and, and you look at then the cost of financing today uh, and very favorable for what I would say the right types of real estate. Not all types of real estate and locations are getting that favorable financing treatment. But I think that that's an important dynamic and those inflation expectations, uh, how they're being priced into the, the ultimate fi- cost of financing, treasury rates uh, that ultimately build up to what an investor's rate of return is, is having a significant impact on the expectations uh, for rates of return, which ultimately are then used in, in one of the key drivers for developing values and prices uh, that we're working through as appraisers and as appraisal management firm 
every single day. This is a challenge uh, and you have these very competing dynamics uh, with respect to what you might believe may be happening as a result of stimulus uh, into the future. And then what you see investors lining up for in say the case of a treasury market. Well, you know, and the other irony of it is you mentioned the rates of return. We who live in the CRE business, uh, while the world is chattering about the potential for, you know, generalized inflation, are looking at a landscape where it's downward pressure on rents. And it varies by property segment, but you probably cross almost all the property segments. The question is, you know, vacancies are up. What's going to happen with rents in terms of how far they may fall or slow? So, you know, how do you sort of deal with that juxtaposition? Uh, a, a challenging uh, sign of the times. And I'll give you an example. Uh, urban infill apartments, a challenging environment uh, from a leasing perspective. And you look at the headlines uh, and you look at the information that's in the news uh, with respect to the amount that rents are down. Now, somewhat misleading. Uh, so you have to be careful in stripping back. How is that being presented uh, on a net of concession basis? So yeah, the rents are down significantly. Uh, cash flows are down significantly due to giving two months, three months free potentially uh, in some of these urban infill locations. But the reality is, is that short term in nature? Uh, and is that really a general inflation or an inflation expectation when I burn off those concessions uh, as we hopefully work our way through uh, the challenges created from COVID uh, and the pandemic itself? That is an inflation. Uh, that's just simply uh, a reaction to supply and demand. Uh, and you have to be very careful in terms of how that's modeled and the impact that that's having. It's certainly having a, a, a negative uh, impact with respect to values. But what isn't going to happen is that uh, it's not going to have a positive impact when that comes down because there hasn't been a whipsawing uh, effect in the cash flows themselves. There is an anticipation that you just simply burn that off. Gotcha. So you mentioned earlier in, in our talk, you know, you're doing this for a 10-year horizon, typically. Uh, none of us have a very good crystal ball for 10 years. Is that a benefit or a curse in the sense that over a long period of time, these things tend to sort of smooth out? And so, you know, a baseline assumption of some percent, you know, tends to work out? Or does it call for, you know, something more nuanced in terms of your short-term estimates on things like rents and versus the, you know, once you get out past one or two years or so? Yeah. So first off, the 10-year holding period is interesting. And I was just doing some research uh, the other day with respect to this. And I uh, was able to run across some information from uh, the National Council of Real Estate Investment Fiduciaries, uh, NACREF, really the, uh, the kind of standard benchmark uh, in the industry for private real estate. And it was quite interesting uh, with respect to 10-year holding periods and never really looked at, as we use it in cash flow, how close is that to reality for most, most actual holding periods of investors? And I was shocked that actually it's very close. On average, uh, for most institutional investors, the 10-year holding period that we use for valuation is actually very close historically to what their typical holding period is. Now, that's important because uh, as we are going through the valuation process, how do you crystal ball a revenue ex or expense estimate over a holding period? Or is it better to use a general average? Now, general practices is uh, short term. You absolutely, and we see it often industrial, you're seeing spikes in the near term, but it does typically a reversion to the mean the same way as we see in retail 
where it might be flat for one or two years in terms of rent growth. And then again, a reversion to the mean of a general inflation estimate of say 3%. As valuers uh, in the industry, uh, we, we are here to, to essentially mimic the market. We are not market makers as appraisers uh, and, and here to represent what we believe is, is being done by buyers and sellers. And what we see uh, is that exact reversion to mean in the buy and the sell. The short answer is, is that if you were to try and crystal ball out what was going to happen over the next 10 years, inevitably, you're going to be wrong 10 times likely. Now, we may be wrong once uh, by doing an average uh, over that 10 years, but it's likely going to be closer to uh, what that reversion to the mean is. So I guess the question is, you've been... We've been living in this environment where inflation's been low and steady, as you mentioned, for quite some time. And so, you know, the two to or three percent, you know, inflation estimate that's built that you're putting into the models is, has, has worked very well. Have you seen either you and your team or, you know, in the community of valuation experts that you're working with, people start to nudge up? that 3% in anticipation or it's been around for long enough and embedded for long enough that people are comfortable that, you know, it's probably the sort of the best number to be using for now. Yeah, we have not seen much movement in that uh, general inflation expectation. We, uh, in that reversion to the mean for uh, years, say three or four and beyond for even those uh, property types where there may be some near-term adjustments in rent growth. So we have not uh, seen much change. And, and quite honestly, uh, if you look back in time and uh, kind of the lower inflationary environment uh, and the Federal Reserve's target to inflation, we also didn't see uh, any change of, of that lowering uh, over time as well, even though it may end up uh, proving that way. And I think it gets back to some of the fundamental things that, uh, that are taking place. Uh, again, that inflation uh, isn't always representative of the influence that there is on a real estate property. Taxes uh, is a great example. I think that uh, we're seeing where taxes uh, by jurisdiction can change very significantly for either the the positive or the negative. Insurance, uh, because of natural disasters, is that inflationary driven? No, it's simply because insurers uh, have lost a great deal of money and they're looking at uh, their costs uh, from an actuarial perspective. And so, from their standpoint, they don't care that inflation is going up by 2% or 4% because their costs are going up by 20% and 30% uh, as a result of losses. So you have to be very careful of the underpinnings of each entry within a cash flow and what's the driver of that entry uh, into the future. So a little bit, we're talking a lot about, you know, sort of basis on inflation here. Um, this is a little bit less about valuation and appraisal itself, um, but a sort of you know, a generalized view of commercial real estate, you know, through the ages has been that it's a hedge against inflation. Investors come into real estate because it's a hedge against inflation. Uh, Do you see the sort of increased chatter we've been talking about, the increased concern that we could see generalized inflation um, in coming years increasing, you know, driving more investors uh, into into the property sector? Yeah, I think absolutely. I think that's, there's a number of uh, benefits associated with being invested in real estate, not the least of which uh, it's, it's relatively straightforward to understand uh, how you generate income for a property, as opposed to the underlying dynamics. If you compare that to stocks, uh, what, what's driving uh, the, the cash flow 
uh, and the, the net income associated with that uh, equity investment. I think as I've thought about real estate over the years, it's kind of that hybrid between bonds uh, where you get that kind of stable cash flow projection, kind of the lease in place. And then the, the equity component uh, of stocks uh, where, whereby uh, you get a reset, you're not going to par uh, in a payoff period, but you get a reset in your lease and you would eventually get what is the value of the property upon resale after that holding period. Uh, and so it is that uh, dynamic that gives you some stability of cash flow and then an inflation hedge. Uh, and I think that if you look at even again, back to the NACREF index uh, over time, the NACREF index has uh, been uh, a pretty uh, steady barometer of, of income uh, return with a, uh, an inflation-like appreciation return, uh, which is uh, around over 30 years, about 2%. Well, thanks, Brian. Is there any other comments you'd like to make, you know, the, this inflation question? No, Peter, I appreciate uh, having this conversation with you. It's a, a critically important time to be thinking about uh, the impact that uh, inflation, and more importantly, the market dyna dynamics, supply and demand, are having on rents and expenses. Uh, and how is that layered into the cash flows? And ultimately, uh, from a buy-sell perspective, how do you capture that and, and make sure that you're doing it in the most informed way possible? Uh, as a uh, independent uh, valuation firm, uh, this is something that we live and breathe every day. Uh, and we work with internally and in our teams and information sharing and make sure that we're getting the best results for our clients. Well, thank you very much, Brian, for your time today. This was really super interesting. And to our audience for joining us for this episode of our In Conversation podcast. If you have any additional questions or if you'd like to join our mailing list to learn about future Citus AMC events, please don't hesitate to reach out to us at connect at citusamc.com. Thanks again. Have a great day.